All right, welcome back to the Blitz period. Sooners get a big 28 to 13 win over the Pokes last night in Norman. Uh, I think the beauty of it is there's not really a lot to complain about from this. Uh, it wasn't a perfect game. And I will definitely say that this team showed why they had the potential to be a 10 win team. It also showed why they are where they are now. And that's specifically running at the offense. The offense has struggled recently. Let's just be real. I mean, you can talk about total yardage and all that, but like offensively on third downs, it's been awful. I want to say that the stat is somewhere in like the last three games, this offense is six of 38 on third downs. Just in case you didn't know, that's not very good. It's kind of a point where like, kind of have to make this point. Defensively, or I'm sorry, offensively, you should probably be playing, be paying for the defense's dinner this week because defense won that game. And and what it, it's really funny too, like if you go back and listen to uh, the first episode of this very podcast, the Bedlam preview, we talked about it. You know, defense is going to have to win this game. We've had an offense that struggled, and I mean, goodness, like. This morning, just talking to people this morning, they're like, yeah, that was a great quarter of football last night. And, I mean, the offense was rolling in that first quarter, but you get to a point, you start getting these turnovers, your defense is is getting off the field when they need to, and you can't capitalize off of it on offense. And now part of that points to, and say, play calling, but part of it points to bad execution, part of it points to dropped passes, uh, Braden Willis had a pretty bad fumble um, and also had a drop, actually, to start the game. Jalil Farouk had a bad drop. I mean, you know, there were some things out there, but uh, the portion of you guys that want to hang Jeff Levy on the cross, I'm not going to call you stupid, but at the same time, I'm going to say it is, it's, it's not the smart thing to do. And what I see it as, I see it as just, when, like on the whole play calling subject, really just playing to Dylan Gabriel's strengths. Because we've seen it. There are some things that he just can't do that well. And uh, like I've said it, he's just way too inconsistent as a quarterback. And I don't think Dylan was bad yesterday at all. Like, I thought he did pretty well. Obviously, first half was incredible for him. But the consistency's just not there. And there's a reason he hasn't been lighting up the scoreboard that much this year. And I think the one thing that you point to when it comes to the offense last night is the clock management. Talk about that in the fourth quarter where, you know, for some odd reason, you're snapping the ball very fast and you're doing all these things quickly when you should be trying to milk the clock. You should be trying to run it out. And for some reason, that's not happening. And I think part of that, falls on you know part of that's on coaching part of that's on Dylan Gabriel but at the same time there's no reason to really be going tempo in those situations like here's the deal honestly a miracle that Oklahoma State only scored one touchdown because the defense played 102 snaps in case you don't know that's way too many and you should never have that many snaps on defense And if you do, 
it's not every day that you only give up 13 points. You give up a touchdown and two field goals. And, like, defensively, I really got to hand it to them because, you know, later on down the road, we'll get into player of the game and stuff. But, like, defensively, I can't really just pick one guy. I mean, the defensive line played well. Jordan Kelly had a hell of a night. Jalen Redmond played well. Ethan Downs played well. John Laulu played well, had the interception. Uh, you know, the linebackers played well. Danny, uh, David Aguevu was the leading tackler last night. Danny Stutzman almost had an interception. Danny Stutzman, I'll say this, he looked really locked in yesterday. I mean, he, he almost had that interception on that very play. He actually almost had two interceptions, but on the first one, he called out the play. Like, he knew what it was going to be. He called out what was happening. Goes up, walls the guy, almost gets the pick. So, got to hand it to Danny. Hell of a night last night. Also had a pretty big stop as well. Uh, the secondary did well. C.J. Colden had a great game. Lee Washington had a bad penalty, which that was a BS call. But uh, Billy Bowman had that great interception, just a great inst- instinctual play. Jumped in front of the ball like that. Really awesome play. So, like defensively, you can talk about how many yards they gave up. But, again, think about how many times they were on the field. because. That's a lot of plays. 102 plays is a lot. And they gave up almost 500 yards. I mean, that's going to happen when you're on the field that much. And in total, they had eight three and outs on the night, uh, started off the game with one. And so just a really fantastic overall performance from those guys. But, you know, here's my thing as well. Like, I think for us as Oklahoma fans, we've got to be happy that we're not and Oklahoma State fan shoes because I just can't imagine how that how that segment feels because and I'm specifically talking about last night just not the entire season but just last night because in that first half like Oklahoma State couldn't run the ball to save their lives and part of it's because they just didn't and I don't know why because here's the deal, man, like Oklahoma State did the complete opposite of the things that Oklahoma struggled with. And the narrative around Mike Gundy is that anytime Bedlam comes up, he just pees down his leg. And that didn't happen last year, but typically it happens. Happened in 2020, happened in 2019, happened here last night. You're talking about an OU defense that I know I just I know I just crowned them, but here's the deal. Like this is an OU defense that is terrible on fourth down. This is an OU defense that can't that that has the worst run defense in the Big 12 conference. And last night, Mike Gundy chose twice, I believe, on fourth and short to punt the ball. When if you go for it, you got a shot at scoring. Again. Worst defense in the conference when it comes to stopping somebody on a fourth down. I mean, goodness, West Virginia converted four times on fourth down last week, even converted a fourth and long. Iowa State scored on a fourth and long. I mean, it's fourth and two when you choose to punt it. Like, that's just that's just bad decision making. Like, uh, you talk about, I mean, again, you talk about them not running the ball at all in that first half. Like, There were so many things that Oklahoma State did that if you're an OSU fan, I completely understand your frustration because, and somebody put it perfectly earlier today, if Oklahoma had, if Brent Venables made the decisions that Mike Gundy made last night, I wholeheartedly believe that Brent would have been ran out of town again. So 
Be glad you're not in the poke shoes, Oklahoma fans. But it's a good win. It's a good win. I mean, again, not a lot to complain about. You get bowl eligibility. You're probably going to end up playing in the Liberty Bowl or the Texas Bowl or something like that. You're probably going to end up playing an SEC team like a South Carolina or an Arkansas or something like that. You still got one week left. You go up to Lubbock and you know, you're luck you're lucky Texas Tech also gains ball eligibility because you don't have to worry about I mean, again, it's gonna be a, a good environment. It's six thirty PM in Lubbock, Texas, but you know, tech's not playing for something. Tech's not having a fight to go to a bowl game. I mean, I guess you can kind of chill a little bit, but offensively, if you don't and here's another thing too offensively, like Robert Congle. Andrew Rain was missed last night. Because Robert Congle in the first half, some of his snaps were just, they were just bad. And uh, yeah, that certainly didn't help. But some of Robert Congle's snaps were just not very good. And, and I mean, I guess that's been a thing. Like, I thought he'd end his career way better, but it's not really good last night from him. But anyway, offensively, you've got to have a better week next week. Um, because and that's really just in everything. I mean, Dylan Gabriel's got to be a, a little bit better. But it all goes down to the execution. I mean, you can't drop passes the way they did last night at, at certain points. And, again, it all goes back to, like, you saw certain points as to why this team could be a 10-win team. I mean, Oklahoma State's not just awful. Like, they were a solid group. I mean, Spencer Sanders playing – gave them more of a chance to win, although he wasn't fully healthy. Like, I don't believe at all that the game would have been different if Spencer Sanders was fully healthy. I mean, he just is who he is. And, I mean, you got to respect him because the guy that went out there and threw his arm off, I mean, threw the ball 67 times. His jersey was covered in grass stains. Like, he he poured his guts into that game last night. But at the same time, Spencer Sanders, isn't. he just is who he is. I mean, he's not just some guy that's going to – you think back to Bedlam last year, he didn't set the world on fire in that game either. He turned the ball over a lot. So he just is who he is, but got to hand him, man. I mean, I don't know how he puts up with that. Like you even saw him. I don't know if a lot of people saw it, but he was going off on the coaches at one point in the, in the fourth quarter because he, he was just frustrated. Like, dude, we can't do anything. And it's like, Again, I don't really understand the Oklahoma State side of things of not attacking Oklahoma's weaknesses because, I mean, Oklahoma's not very good at covering the intermediate routes. They're not very good at, again, stopping the run, and you're not utilizing that. And Spencer Sanders did have a few runs last night. Like, I'll admit that. But at the same time, I don't know how you don't just attack their weaknesses at all times because, I mean, it's the biggest game for you every year regardless. For, for Oklahoma State, and it is for Oklahoma sometimes, but even for OSU, like Bethlehem, it's the game they always look forward to. And for some reason, you're not coming into this game with that instinct of we're just going to show no mercy. Oklahoma State didn't do that. And um, I don't really understand that side of things. But um, let's just go ahead and jump into the player of the game real quick. So I think I want to go – I want to do offensive and defensive, but like I said, I don't really know who to go with defensively because there were so many good things. I mean, I could just say we're going to have a lot of co-co-co-co-co defensive players, 
of the game. Uh, David DeGuebu is going to get one nod. Uh, got to get, got to give Billy Bowman a nod. Deshaun White definitely deserves a nod. DJ Colton deserves a nod. I think I, I think I said Jordan Kelly already. Um, Jalen Redman. Yeah, so pretty much, if you get the point, the entire defense played really well last night. Uh, now, offensively, I think I'm going to have to go with Drake Stoops because Drake Stoops had an incredible first quarter last night. I mean, goodness. Talk of, the first catch that Drake Stoops had was incredible. And I mean, my view was kind of terrible, so I guess I thought he scored on it. Uh, again, my view was awful, so it just looked like it to me. But it was an incredible catch regardless, nonetheless. An incredible catch. Uh, Drake Stoops finished the game last night with three catches. All right, take that back. Yeah, Drake Stoops finished the game last night with six catches, not three catches. Six catches, 89 yards. And a touchdown. He had 14, 14 yards of carry. Uh, had that really big touchdown in the corner in the north, but the northeast corner of the end zone. I mean, Drake Stoops. It, it's you know, it's really crazy because I was talking to somebody about this earlier too. Like, I honestly feel like Drake Stoops could get drafted, and I don't know if size and all that stuff would be a thing. I mean, Drake is like your typical, your typical white receiver in terms of the ones you always hear about when it comes to sneaky, fast, athletic, quick, can't miss kind of guy. And Drake, Drake Stoops really just in one word, simply put it, he's clutch. I mean, the guy catches everything that's thrown his way. I can't remember the last time we talked about a Drake Stoops drop. Every time the ball goes his direction, he 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 comes down with it. And um I'm not sure if Drake can come back. I don't know. Uh what all the word is on that. I mean, I'm, I don't know if he used a COVID year or anything like that, but if Drake Stoops was to come back, I don't think there's a doubt in my mind. There's not a doubt in my mind that he's going to somebody's NFL team. Like, not signing as an undrafted free agent, but he's, he's, get, he's getting his name called. I really think he could because he, he, he has the talent for it. I mean, dude has hands like glue, so you got to hand it to him for that. But uh, Drake Stoops gets our nod for – Offensive player of the game, defensive player of the game, we're going to go with about five guys. Uh, players of the game every week will be sponsored by Sweet Feet OKC. Make sure you, you get at my guy Dylan on Instagram for all your shoot needs in the Oklahoma City area. Uh, so overall thought from last night. I think. And, and by the way, I think we all kind of have this feeling that Brent Venables in the last few weeks has kind of taken full control of the defense. And we all know it's his scheme. But as far as calling the defense, to me, it looked like that was the case yesterday. And what I think, I think really what you saw is just kind of a sneak peek of what's to come. Because most of that defense is going to be back, going to be back next year. Um, I think Jordan Kelly can come back. Ethan Downs will be back. Jalen Redmond's gone. Uh, Woody Washington can come back. Danny Stutzman, Aguebu, they'll both, well, not Aguebu, but Stutzman will be back. 
uh, Billy Bowman will be back. Key Lawrence will be back. I mean, you're returning a, a, a really, a really sizable and talented proportion, portion, not proportion, portion of your defense next year. They're already going to have a year in the system, which is a big deal because, I mean, that's been the number one consensus you've heard all year is, well, the system's too hard. They don't know. They, they don't have what it takes to get it together and stuff like that. But now they understand what's expected of them defensively, which is a lot because Brent Venables ain't coaching your defense just to be a Big 12 champion. Like, he's coaching your defense go out there and, and and whoop the Alabamas of the world and whoop the Georgias of the world and whoop the Clemsons of the world and all the, and the, the Ohio States, all those big-time teams with, with really potent offenses. That's what he's coaching you to do. So it's going to be hard, but these guys have a feeling with that. And before we go, before we get out of here, I just want to touch on the recruiting subject for a little bit. I got to hand it to the fans because the crowd yesterday was electric and – this was a point I hit on in the preview show, too, that, like, I know people kind of thought that it was going to be miserable and people were going to be dragging tail into the stadium because it was going to be cold and, uh, you know, Oklahoma lost last week and nobody's going to want to sit out there and all that. But major props because pretty much everybody stayed the whole game. I mean, the South End kind of cleared out, but which is understandable because the South Club, I mean, hey, I get it. I've been in the South Club before. I understand completely not sitting in your seat in that kind of weather because I did the same thing a couple years back when we played TCU and it was 30-something degrees. But uh, the crowd stayed, you know, student section was incredible. Energy was electric. The LED lights, I mean, all that stuff was fantastic. And when you have the recruits that you had in town, I mean, you talk about it, David Hicks, Peyton Bowen, uh, Damian Sanford, Ashton Sanders, David Stone. I mean, any guys you can think of. You know, P.J. Adabari was there, and I know people have worried about him. I mean, we've already said that he won't be decommitted from Oklahoma at all, but he was in attendance. So you think about the defensive performance you had last night on top of the atmosphere. That's going to leave recruits away. That's going to have them walking away with something to talk about. And not only that, but think about this. Like, this is an OU team that currently they're 6-5. and five. This is a team that has – obviously struggled and even Dylan Gabriel when he was talking about it last night he got a little emotional kind of thinking about like we really needed that you know and Brent Venables had that same message to his team before the game was like y'all understand y'all know the importance of this like it's not even just a rivalry it's the fact we got to get back on track and they go out there they get a really big really big win in front of the home crowd and the crowd was awesome so what that does to you as a recruit is that tells you okay you know they might scream at me on Twitter. They might scream at me on social media. Saturday, regardless of how good or bad we are. Because I've even heard stories of people, you know, that were there in the 90s, in, in the Blake years. And you always hear, you always have to hear about that crap because people on Twitter will let you know. You didn't live through the 90s. Yeah, we, we, we get all that, which, hey, fortunate for us. But anyway, uh, for us younger, for us younger, younger groups. But. You even hear stories sometimes about like even in those days when Oklahoma wasn't what Barry Switzer had built it up to be, people were still piling in. It wasn't it wasn't sold out by any means, but it was a good crowd. I mean, it wasn't just completely empty. And now you look at where, where this team at now is that now where I mean, look, you saw all this. Y'all probably saw the stuff on Twitter about, you know, Texas A&M's game and how two people were in the crowd. 
the entire night and you know all the Texas A&M fans were saying well it was 40 degrees out I mean goodness it was like it was it was below freezing at some point last night and crowd managed to stick through it and I gotta hand it to him for that because it was freezing and for those that were out there like including myself I mean my nose was rock hard after the game so uh you know if you left early I get it but People stuck it through, and they showed up in a big way for this team. The support was there, so and it sucks because it is the last home game. But you kind of just have this feeling that things are trending up. And offensively, I mean, you're going to get things fixed. Like, it's not the end of the world because of what happened last night. Because they're very fixable mistakes. I mean, dropping passes is fixable. The, you know, the situations that we talked about with, um, with, the clock management stuff, all that, all that is fixable. And I know we we didn't crown Brent Venables for that last week in Morgantown because you know some of the decision making in clock management wasn't that good. But you turn around last night, and even Brent was kind of mad at it because you know you feel like that. Like I said so, earlier, that was something that kind of seemed to be in the hands of Jeff Levy. So, um, you know, again, overall thought, really solid outing. I mean, not a lot to complain about. Uh, it seemed like the GAS level went up this week, and I don't know if the team read my article or not, but you saw a group last night that played like they cared. They played like they gave a you-know-what, and for that, I give them props. Uh, just an incredible performance, and heading into Lubbock next week, and by the way, um, you know, we'll do a tech preview on Wednesday, but We'll also have the man, the myth, the legend, Hayes Fawcett on here Wednesday. And for those of you who don't know who Hayes Fawcett is, Hayes is the man when it comes to recruiting. And uh, Hayes and I have talked, so we're going to have him on to discuss uh, the visit weekend that was this weekend and, and get kind of some tidbits from what the what the vibe is like from the official visitors, which is David Hicks, Damian Sanford, and those guys. Um, and then we're going to just kind of talk about the class as a whole as we get to the early signing period. Uh, discuss, you know, his thoughts on the class, where he sees this thing headed, how many of these guys can come in and make an impact from day one and things like that. Uh, won't be too long, but just want to get you guys excited about recruiting because there is a portion of the fan base that thinks that it's falling off a cliff. So all is well still. And uh, uh, yeah, so we'll have that on Wednesday. Uh, we plan on recording Wednesday morning, so we should have it out in the afternoon, hopefully. But uh, we'll get as much out as we can. And then as we get closer to the offseason, we'll just start stacking up guests. Again, we mentioned last week Jackson Arnold will be on at some point. Uh, we got Hayes next, and then we're going to get some former players first. Definitely going to have our guy Lee Morris on to uh, talk a little bit about his career there as a walk-on. And then we're going to see what we can do to get some former players, uh, some current players in, sorry. So uh, thank you guys for listening to the audio version of the uh, long post that I would usually do on Insta. Uh, for those of you that are not familiar with the Instagram, make sure you go follow at Center Sports Daily. Follow the podcast page on Instagram at the Blitz period and on Twitter at the Blitz period. And then my personal Twitter underscore Jalen and Ross. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Not Jalen and Ross. Underscore Jalen Ross. The personal Instagram is Jalen and Ross. So make sure that you get tapped in with all that. And once again, appreciate you guys listening. Sooner.